Check one, check two. All right, real quick. Do you need some more in your headphones? Uh, you I've got right? plenty in the headphones. Yep. Perfect, yeah. then we're good. We're going. We're live. All right. <laughs> What's up, y'all? This is Kickstand. That is Biker Mike from Mars. And we have a special guest. Uh, oh, and you're listening tonight. to the Blue Collar Velocitors podcast. Oh, geez, they you know just said already. the names. They already <laughs> they know. They know by the music. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so we have a special guest in the in the pothole with us today. And that is Levi Baudouin. Yes. Oui, c'est moi. <laughs> yes, he speaks the French, so if he starts cussing at us in some language you don't understand, just... <laughs> <laughs> Fat chance. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. We can't, I can't get him to say anything. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, welcome. We're having a, we're having this an impromptu episode here today, and it is going to be the most wholesome episode we've ever recorded. Hi, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, your mom this will is going to be more wholesome than the one Amanda was on with. Yes, yes. <laughs> And the reason for that is? Because my dad's a pastor, and I can somehow act more properly when he is here. <laughs> I have a good influence on you. <laughs> exactly. Bye, Dave. <laughs> Just stops listening. He's like, yeah, I'm, I'm here for the cuss words and the bad jokes. Yeah. <laughs> Bubbles is right out. <laughs> he loves when we mention him. He started a podcast because we started doing it, and he's like, I can do that. <laughs> yeah. And he's actually had quite a little growth, and he's been on a few other podcasts, and, and it's mostly just working through his story, what he's got going on. So yeah. I'm, I'm cool. happy for him. Yeah. Cool. So, yeah, if you actually, that's a good one. If you ever want to know why we do what we do, <laughs> so listen to his podcast, Tales of a Messed Up Northern Boy, and you'll know why our podcast is the way it is, because he's the kind of guy we've spent time with over the last 10 years. <laughs> yeah, and you hang out with guys like that. So... Ah. Interesting. The reason that we're having an impromptu podcast today uh, is my parents got to come up for my son's baptism. One so of the so we're celebrating. We're celebrating, and and it's been an awesome day. It I really mean, has. Oh, what a baptism! Oh, Gotta I, love that. I, I was blessed to ask my father and my father-in-law both to pray over my son, or pray a blessing over my son as he got baptized, and I think it meant. Almost as much, I hope it meant as much to me as it did to you guys being able to do it. Because I'm like, no, I know, yes, I could pray for my son. I could just take this by the horns. But I'm like, no, this is a generational thing. This is something that he, you get to see the fruit of, of your obedience and the fruit of what it means to be a man of God and to raise children to be children uh, that turn into me. <laughs> and somehow, <laughs> by the grace of the Lord, still be able to raise my children to, to uh, be baptized. And I'm, oh, huge blessing. <laughs> you know, and, and uh, I guess this is a shout out to my own son here. I'm going to yeah, say a few things. It's oh. that um, Are you gonna we weren't raised again? in the church. Are you going to make me cry again? <laughs> oh, that, that's yeah. already happened today. <laughs> <laughs> See, we we were raised uh, well religiously, and uh, I mean, we did not miss mass for anything. I mean, if we went partying on on Saturday night, Dad said you're up for mass, and you were going no matter what. And then, uh, so a lot of these Christian principles, while we had them, we didn't really understand them or live them out. And suddenly, uh, I get married, uh, you know, come to know Christ, come to know all the things that. Uh, it entail the, the true following of Jesus, and uh, 
Uh, I made mistakes raising my kids, I tell you. Oh, I so many. They got so many spankings. Actually, Michael was pretty good. No, I, no. I, I heard no. say that he got it the worst. Oh, I got it oh, the no, worst. No, no, Jonathan so is that, got is it the worst. Is that just Mike's remembrance of his that, childhood? That, is? There is something called the sibling biases <laughs> where you just assume <laughs> that you got it worse than your siblings. I recognize that that's a thing, but I had a mouth on me. He got it because he was firstborn, so he was the learning curve. Right. And you learned from him. You would say, <laughs> yeah, don't I'm get not caught. doing that. No, I'm not I, doing that. I learned don't get caught. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, yeah, I, yeah, you did learn that too. <laughs> but you did get caught. Uh, <laughs> I did. It, it, one of the things is, as a parent, not having had the gospel to make an influence, the scriptures to make an influence on me. Um, I, I recognize now, looking back, that I could have done so much better had I had more of the, the word of the Lord abiding in my heart. And then I look at my kids and... They are doing an awesome job raising their kids, way better than I did. I agree. You know? and <laughs> there you go. You agree. That's good. I, I yeah. do. Other than, you know, Michael is getting old. I just realized today that, uh, you know, he was forgetting stuff that he said when he was young. You know? so, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he mentioned it in front of the whole church. He's like, yeah, he wanted to name his son Gideon. I'm like, did I? <laughs> yeah. I, re- I remember loving that name, and I remember it being prayed over. Like, you're like Gideon. And I'm like, I like Gideon. Yeah. I, really oh, I, bet, I, re- I remember when we first met, like, that was something that was in your head. Like, you, yeah. you even said... You know, like if I ever have a kid, I'm thinking of naming, naming him Gideon. I yeah. Really, really like that name. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. It was one of those things. And it was uh, out of those little story Bibles that we had. And you just fell in love with that story. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it was just amazing. I mean, to, to those listening to the podcast that don't know what the story is, what's the story? What is what is Gideon all about? All right. So Gideon was a leader of a tribe, not even a... a, a king of source he was a leader and he was called by god to go into battle in defense of his country and he, god gave him a well no a giant plethora of people came to fight with gideon 30,000 30,000 and god chose say nope nope uh that, you'll get all the glory that's too many that's yeah. too many <laughs> you will get all the glory and it will not be god so god's like uh, and he put them through trials. He's like, bring them to a river, and whoever uh, goes down on all fours to drink like a dog. <laughs> they get to go home. Well, they get you know to go what home. I love is the first one was anybody that's scared can kick it. Yeah. <laughs> and, they, and they just said, like, if you're scared, go ahead. No judgment. Yeah. Just or go if you've got married yeah, and right. you have a wife at home, yeah, just, just get out of here. <laughs> yeah. That, the right, right then and there, cut the herd down. It's yeah. like, you know what? If you're scared, okay, sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Scooch. And God's like, nope, nope, still too many. Yeah. <laughs> still more and more. And he so, yeah, he, so he even thinned down the willing. Uh, he, th- he thinned down the willing, which is in, which is interesting. Because yeah. like, all the unwilling got to go. Yeah. 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 And even the willing, he's like, I don't I don't care. It's too many. We need to thin it out again. But he didn't he didn't use the unwise. He still used the wise men who were like not going down in all fours. He's like, no, the ones who would gr- cup the water with their hand and bring it to their mouth so they could keep an eye. They were still getting the the best of the best. He yeah. didn't just say, no, I need the, ret- the, the the fools of fools, the guys who are like dogs not paying any attention and they're going to stab them back. He's like, no, I still yeah. want to. <laughs> and the other thing is Gideon walked in humility uh, when you really think of it. You know, God said, uh, called out Gideon and he said, mighty man of valor. And Gideon said, who? 
<laughs> yeah, because yeah, he he's like, he's like, dude, are you talking to the right guy? Because like, I, I don't am, think so. Like, I'm the least of my brothers. Like, there's yeah. plenty of these other brothers that are much more qualified, qualified. <laughs> to be the gigantic warrior badass. That dad ain't me. Yeah, yeah. and uh, and even on the, the very and on last that day, on that on that mark, you definitely you know, fit that fit bill. The, fit the bill. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I do. I do. But, fit but that you're food. you're you're not a six foot four, three hundred pound fridge <laughs> nope. that somebody would be like, okay, yeah, I'm just gonna go to war behind that guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not a Herculean <laughs> representative. I am yeah. a I'm a, a bean pole who will <laughs> choke you with your own arm. <laughs> Folding laundry with people in it. That's right. That's yeah. jujitsu. When you think of Gideon, even at the last moment, I mean, he'd ask, he put some fleeces before the Lord, and God answered his fleeces. Mm-hmm. And then on the very last day, he's still worried. I mean, 300 people, what are we going to do? Yeah. You know, and uh, so uh, here he sends dreams to the, the opposing camp, and uh, he says, Gideon, go listen to them. And Gideon snuck into the camp, and here's what he hears. Gideon's coming against us, and he's going to crush us. And he's, I've had this dream, and, and the dream being repeated by many of the army that was going to be coming against them. And so, and it strengthened Gideon's heart to realize that the battle had already been won. Yeah. The, the, the thinking in that camp was already destroyed them, destroying them. Yeah. And so Gideon... Uh, yeah, we're not going in with weapons. We're going in with uh, uh, pots and torches. With, you know? Yeah, we're we're going in with light. <laughs> like, like we're going on, in with see, light. They fought. They fought the for the the war with nothing but light. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I mean, and they, they pers- went in. They cleaned house after it was yes. just like dregs. But like that initial battle wasn't battle. All it was was a revealing of light and darkness. And having the darkness run away. That's right. It's and he, so exciting. And almost a perception of power, too. It wasn't even a, a an actual power. It's like, no, we don't even have to appear as if, or we don't actually have to be 30,000, 40,000 strong. We can just use something bigger than ourselves yeah. and be seen as big as our God is. And, yeah, it yeah. really did go that way. So. And it was interesting. Michael asked me today, uh, yesterday. He says, "Can you uh, can you pray and uh, speak into Gideon's life today at the baptism?" And so uh, I kind of went to bed with that thought in my in my head. You know, Lord, what do you want me to say to Gideon? And so this morning I got up, got into my devotions, and start reading scriptures. And and this kept coming back at me. You know, uh, you, God has known Gideon uh, way longer than we have. In fact, Michael chose Gideon as a name for his son. And he's only got one son, but he chose his name way before he was born, before Michael was even married. He chose the name of his son. Isn't that amazing how God chooses us such ahead of time? Well, not just that. He he chose a wife that would be like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We we were listening to a sermon of a pastor at the time who his son was named Gideon and just reaffirmed it. And this guy was speaking the same stuff. And I'm like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I I had the same thing. Like I had the name Maccabee in mind for Mac since uh, I think it was like two years, maybe two years, year before I met Carissa. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It, it came from the the apocryphal book, I mean, to some some uh, canons, but it came from the book of of Maccabees, the tribe of of Israelites that that held the line against the Hellenization, held the line against the Greeks, and, and fought against them. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Maccabee meant the hammer. <laughs> like yeah. It was the the hammer of God, and they they stood up against you know having 
the Greek gods, you yeah. know, take over Israel. So, uh, and again, it, all wrapped up with that is, uh, as we did the baptism, is God's got great things in store for Gideon. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine? I mean, this young lad is going to win his friends to the Lord. He's going to lead them into what it is to know Jesus. And, uh, you know, he may thin down the herd with those that he's going to use, mm-hmm. but they are going to be the mighty men. They're going to be the ones that are going to do great things. And uh, nothing but promise in that thought that, Gideon, I've called you. I've called you by name, and I've got great things in store for you. And, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, maybe Gideon will get to listen to this podcast one day and say, oh, that's me. <laughs> I know. It, just not right away. He's not, 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 we're not puffing him up like <laughs> I don't want him to get too ahead of himself on that. <laughs> we'll, yeah. We build him, but at the same time, we're still going to be like, hey, yeah, no, no, we really puffed you up here, but <laughs> calm, calm, I, calm down. <laughs> yeah, I reminded uh, Gideon yesterday of uh, a Josiah. Josiah started to be king at eight years old. Mm-hmm. You know? And uh, just because you're 10 doesn't mean you're not called of God. No. You know? And uh, and God, I, I remember uh, one young, uh, young nine-year-old girl when we were in Bible college uh, she was uh, there attending school um, with her mom and dad who were attending college. And uh, she was in school. The first year she was there, she won nine of her schoolmates to the Lord. Oh, wow. You know, uh, she's just nine years old. God gave her, you know, nine kids. And, and that began to multiply in the local school, you know. Kids yeah. were getting saved because this nine-year-old kid was faithful to share the gospel. Yeah. You know, and just... You never know where it's going to come from, but wow, what what it is to be called to the Lord. Yeah. So just having that faithfulness and and yeah, praying and being consistent. And I, I hope that I get to be a man like that. And I'm trying to be a man that is consistent towards raising my kids because we never forced it on our kids. When it came to our faith, I'm like, okay, it has to be his decision. I don't want him to assume you're a Christian because I'm a Christian. I'm like, no, this this has to be your choice. Mm-hmm. And so when uh, I was teaching at Sunday school and we were doing the Pil- Pilgrim's Progress, they asked the ki- they got me to ask the kids, and I hate doing it because I don't I don't feel like it should be the pastor's job to lead these kids in the prayer. To, to say, hey, do you want to ask Jesus in your heart, which I hate that phrase. <laughs> I really do because I'm like, no, you're making a commitment to live for him. This is a commitment. This is not just asking him in your heart. You're, you're, you choose to serve him so that he can live through you. But asking him in your heart, is, it's a false pretense of what it means to be a Christian. And so, but they wanted us to do this. So I'm like, does anybody here want to become a Christian? And I'm hoping that, one, I can... Be like, okay, cool, we can work on this a little bit and do what I can. And all the kids, every single one of the kids in my group were like, no, I'm good, good, good. And got to Gideon, he's like, I'd like to become a Christian. And I'm like, we'll talk later. Because I, I, I don't <laughs> need to isolate him in that moment. I'm like, no, if these kids are good, you're with me. I'm not worried. So I, when the time came, I came to him uh, that day, next day after, I don't remember, a couple of days. And I was like, okay, what does this mean? What does it mean to become a Christian? So I started talking with him and actually you know, working it out. And so we did. We went through it. And he's like, and then he saw somebody get baptized. He's like, what is that? Like, he's seen it before, but you know how you don't really care about it? You're like, oh, this is a thing that happens. Mm-hmm. And then I was able to be like, no, th- this is a public declaration. It is a something that you do, like a wedding. Is a uh-huh. wedding about the the paperwork? <laughs> <laughs> For sure, all <hope> that. <laughs> <laughs> it's about the public declaration and accountability of everyone in that area, in that group, who does life alongside you is now holding you to account yeah. of the 
the the ceremony of. The I'll slightly disagree with you on that one. Slightly, slightly. <laughs> I'm not saying you're wrong. It's, 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 it could be two things. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not saying you're wrong, but I also think there's something more mystical happening. Oh yeah, but you're quite the mystic. Yeah. Mystic. Uh, yeah. The other is this. Co- it's a covenant. You're, it's yeah. a covenant you're oh, making yeah. before people, before but, witnesses. But you could do that by yourself, couldn't you? You nope. could get baptized by yourself. The covenant is before people. And uh, so it was designed to be before God and before people. That's what I'm saying. They're yeah, going to be your helpers. It's both. Yeah, it's, it's both. both. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. So regarding, like, say the 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 wedding. Yeah. It's it's you know it is that yes it's a covenant yes. that you're entering into but you're also like in that becoming wedded to somebody through the whole process of of getting married having the ceremony consummating your relationship you are mystically becoming one flesh. Yeah. That is... What an awesome mystery. (laughs) Right? (laughs) I love that word. It's an awesome mystery. You know, and in that way, like, that's how I see baptism too. Oh, yeah. It's not just like, yeah, I'm here making a public declaration for Jesus because otherwise, all we would do is be like, hey, do you, you know, are you a Christian? Yes, I am. I publicly declare it to be so. (laughs) But yet, we have such... A strong draw to this being is submerged in water and arising a new new person. So there's a mystical thing happening too, where you yeah. are putting to death an old person and becoming and, and and coming out of the waters of chaos, coming out of the Red Sea, coming out of the waters of the flood, a mm-hmm. new a new being that is part of the church and part of the body of Christ. Yeah, well, it's not just it, semantics. It's, it's not. It's not. It's, but at the same time. Well, it, it is both. That's what I'm saying. And exactly, so both, both. It is both. And so well, I had this kid come up to it's me last summer. It's just like my summer. wallet. My wallet is is all you know. It it holds leather money and, and it also plastic. Sometimes I use uh, you know, my uh, sunglasses case to hold my credit cards. Stuff could be two things. <laughs> <laughs> so I often compare uh, uh, baptism to obedience. You yep. know, you have to be so obedient in doing it. And uh, <laughs> you go. You can go back to the Old Testament. You know. Uh, um, uh, Naaman didn't want to get baptized or didn't want to soak himself seven times in the Jordan. That muddy river, why can't I use one of the Euphrates or, you know, another river that's clean water at least, you know. But this prophet who wouldn't even come out of his hole to tell me, <coughs> you know, uh, tells me that I have to go baptize in the Jordan of all places. Yeah. And so there's a humility involved. Yeah. And his servant checked him on the humility. Hey, if he'd has, asked you to do a hard thing, would you have done it? By the way, he had arranged, he had come to the prophet with a wagon full of gold, you know, treasures, yep. jewels. Mm-hmm. He was ready to give it all for his healing from leprosy. And yet, all God required is to be humble before him, obedience. Yep. And he dipped himself seven times. I wonder if at the six times, you know, he kind of thought, oh, this is useful, useless. But he, you know, in obedience, in humility, he went down the seventh time and he came up cleansed you know yeah. and what an awesome thing and um obedience is uh, there there's a middle letter of obedience and it's i and then this middle word of obedience die yep i died itself and you and 
I, I stole this one from Jordan Peterson, but this kid came up to me and he's like, what does it mean to be baptized? And I'm like, if you die, before you die, when you die, you will not die. And I stole that one from, and he stole it from somebody else. <laughs> oh, sorry, I love it. I do. I love it so much. And so, and so when you hear it, you're like, all right, say it again. And you got to say it a couple times. And it's like, if you really think about it, it's a symbolic gesturing, a mystic gesturing yeah. of walking in this thing that you're called to do as a Christian. Uh-huh. Does that mean you have to be baptized 100% of the time? Hey, if you're on your deathbed, you ain't got time. <laughs> No one's got a bottle of holy water in their back pocket ready to sprinkle Wait on your forehead. Wait a minute, let me spit on you. <laughs> there, there are these moments of, no, if you're called to and you can, you do it. Yeah, yeah. The thief on the cross didn't have an opportunity. That's right. <laughs> yeah. well, I mean, that was the thing yeah. with, with my wife. Like, my wife, she got baptized well after we were married. That's right. Yeah. Her, her name's on the tank at the, at the church there. Yeah, yeah, like, she got baptized after years of being like, no. <laughs> and it's like once wet. Yeah, once I asked her, I'm like, lady, just do it. She's like, no. Like every single time, like the you know, the church or whatever, no matter what church I've ever been to said, they just say it's a public declaration of your of your relationship with God. She's like, I've publicly declared my relationship with God. It's on Facebook. <laughs> like dozens <laughs> upon dozens of times. Like it's an important part of who I am and I don't hide it from anybody. Why do I need to go get wet? <laughs> yeah. There there's it's a signpost as well in our lives. Oh it, yeah. You can remember uh, the time, place the feeling, everything, yep. uh, all of your emotions were involved in baptism. Yep. Now, for me, you know, uh, we were at a Catholic charismatic camp, and uh, the priest who baptized me a second time got the other priest really mad because uh, he thought the sprinkling I received when I was a child was enough. You know, so <laughs> that's a whole different story. <laughs> you know, but I remember here I am, Charles Point, Slave Lake, getting baptized anew. You know, in uh, as my confession of my faith which became such a signpost. I remember the location. I remember so many details about that. I got wet. It involved a trust in those that were baptizing me. Uh, it involved the, the fact, you know, it, there's just so many fine details in water baptism about uh, that you can go point back to it and say, hey, I made a public confession you know, of my faith, and I can always look back to, to that point. The, mm-hmm. the, the enemy can never say, I was never baptized. Yep. You know, I, I've got that signpost. And it becomes a strength to us as believers. Uh, I've got that signpost. I've done this before. Yeah. You know? Yes. Now, I'm not opposed to being baptized a second time. Not that I think it has any great power. Well, but uh, Devin, well, I mean, you, you're, you're you can speak I've on been, that I've one. I've been through it twice. <laughs> so one was a very odd scenario. <laughs> um, yeah, so first time being baptized was at the Mennonite Brethren Church here in Fort St. John. Um, I was active member of the youth group and, you know, and all that, right? And time came up for, for doing baptisms in the church. I'm like, yep, sign me on. Like, I you know, went through a small catechism class. Like, not that I wasn't already a Christian. I'd already well long ago, like, done the, you know, like, accepted Jesus and, and lived as a part of the church. Like, a Christian, you know, in, in every, mm-hmm. you know, measurable way really but did did the baptism is part of my journey of faith and mm-hmm. as totally in I, I i said my testimony i was dunked and it's, it's like you said signpost i don't doubt its realness at all mm-hmm. like so getting baptized salvation was way before that <laughs> getting getting baptized that second time like wasn't like the first one didn't didn't take I didn't, <laughs> my toe was out of the water that, that wasn't it but 
so uh we you know we talked about this on like our third or fourth episode uh deconstruction all the cool kids are doing it but i had a I had a breakdown of faith. I had a crisis of faith in my late 20s and early 30s where I began to question everything I believed. I began to question what I was taught. I began to question God's existence. I struggled so hard to try and keep faith when it was just running away from me at every turn. Like, And there was a day we were at, we were at like a, an event in the... and yeah, an, ev- an event in in Edmonton with with our club, and it was, I was there, you know, because I was part of the club, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. the, the the community of the club actually very much helped keep me grounded in in faith because there was community there keeping me active and in and accountable and not not just stuck in my own head sitting at home, <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. playing video games, right? Like community is important, people. Yeah, but I just had this wrestling match with God that day, so so hard, so hard. Like it was one of the times when I was the closest to actually saying I'm not a Christian anymore. I'm just going to I'm just going to admit it. <laughs> while while being a leader, while being a leader in an org- a Christian organization. Yes. Yeah. Simultaneously, like, it wasn't like oh I was away from everything and and no. Yeah. Like, so was, for me, head, headstone. For me, saying I'm not going to be a Christian wouldn't have just been, well I said it now and nothing really changes yeah. in life. Like it would have meant it would have meant stepping down from every part of my social. You know, like it <laughs> it would have in, impacted my life in a very very great way. But I was having this wrestling match with God that day, and we were reciting the apostles creed and and singing a worship song that that had these lines going and i was thinking about them we were like nope don't believe that nope don't believe that <laughs> nope don't believe that like bitterness <laughs> like building up in me as i said no i don't believe god created the earth no i don't believe the holy spirit and you know uh conceived of jesus no i don't believe this no i don't believe in the church no i don't believe in everlasting life like that sort of thing and hmm. Interesting that you were using the word belief. <laughs> you know, uh, and we, we so often equate uh, Christianity to our belief systems in that you know, uh, the early church was called the people of the way. Why? Because they believed in God. You, know, you look at Acts. Uh, what must we, we do uh, you know, and repent and be baptized you know, um, in the name of Jesus? And so here are the, is the early church. What's it mean to repent? Well, it's just fall on your knees and be humble and may out of your heart, you cry out to God and you become a Christian. No, no, you become a believer. Uh, repent is to change your mind. That's all it is. Mm. You know, we, we've made the word repent uh, and we made the word Christian, I think, uh, a false pressure on every one of us. Uh, we are called believers and I love to call myself a believer. And if somebody else calls me a Christian because they have seen Christ in me, uh, that that's refreshing, right? Mm-hmm. And rather than me calling myself a Christian, yeah, is and, and it also opens it up to conversation. What are you? Oh, I'm a believer. Uh, okay, what do you believe in? Zeus. You know? no. <laughs> <laughs> and and it opens so many conversations. And uh, oh, so you're a Christian? Well, yes, I believe in Jesus. You know and. Uh, you know, uh, and it's starting that belief. Let, let's face it, every one of our hearts, if we, you know, yes, we believe in our heart, not just in our brain, but in our heart, we, we constantly change our belief systems. 
And only with the power of God does our heart get changed. Because let's face it, we can't change our heart. Mm. How many of those cuss words took time to get out of there? Anybody? <laughs> no, don't answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no. uh, not that I cursed. Mm. I, you know, but I was raised on the farm. You know, there's lots of manure in the barn. <laughs> you were you worked on vehicles. You you learn like five every time you do a transmission. <laughs> oh, you know, yeah. and so it, it's that journey of believing. Yeah. That we have to, to take in. And so you, as you were examining your beliefs, wow, what an awesome place to be. Scary. But awesome. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like terrifying. Like, <laughs> yeah. And so like, I, I was sitting there just in bitterness, you know, oh. listening to the worship. And then a little voice in me said, sing, sing. <laughs> I was like, I don't want to sing. Sing. So I started singing. And it said, no, sing louder. Started to sing a little louder. And you're not good at singing. No. I can sing. You can sing. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, no, louder. So it got to the point where I wasn't singing. I was just screaming, <laughs> you know, the lyrics. So and you then... wrote that song, sing a little louder. No. <laughs> Yeah, I, I just, just, just yelling. Like the people around me are like, "What the hell is wrong with you?" What's up with Kickstead, Rick, man? But at the same time, like, then I, I, I walked away because then all of a sudden, just like the, you know, the, the dam broke, and then just started just bawling, and you know, went and just laid down face down in a dark corner, and just like I couldn't stop like ugly crying, like heaving, like it wasn't a secret thing, like. <laughs> And I got up and I, and I left. I was like, nope, screw this. I'm done. I'm out. <laughs> and I went and I found my motorcycle and fired it up and <laughs> peeled out away from there as fast as I could. And just went, I went down. The uh, dead end. Yeah, down to a dead end, just past the road of the church. And there's the, the river that goes through uh, Edmonton. There, oh, it's like we Saskatchewan were in, River, yeah. The Saskatchewan River, no, yeah. Saskatchewan. It's the one actually goes through yeah. Devon, Alberta, not Edmonton. And crawled down there, and then I just I, I sat there, just having this heaving, crying, wrestling match with God. Like, okay, all right, what do you want me to do? Like, Angry. what's still, still. what's the deal? <laughs> <laughs> and then he, like, I heard a bike from from up top show up, and so I, I sauntered up there to see what's going on. And there, kneeling beside his bike, was one of one of our, our club strikers. Uh, I was calling Bubbles, and the messed up northern boy himself. He was sitting on his knees by, by his bike because he knew I was down there, knew I was bent, like broke up, and he was sitting there just praying for me. <laughs> wow. And so, just by impulse. I sauntered over to him, put my hand on his shoulder, said, come with me. So I let him down to the river to where we were at. I was like, okay, dude, you're going to, you're going to baptize me. You're going to dunk me in this water. Hallelujah. (laughs) So through the tears, I choked out in as earnest way as I could the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, our Lord conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again. 
He ascended to heaven where he sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the Holy Church. I believe in the forgiveness of sins and the communion of saints, and the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. Amen. And with that, this guy, not a preacher, not a priest, not a deacon. Not even a full patch. Not even a full <laughs> member of the club we're in. Dunked me under this muddy water and pulled me up. I'm not going to say the struggle ended that day, but that was the day when it was no, I am a follower of Jesus despite myself. And I'm going to hold on to that no matter what. Right? Like, what? (laughs) There was no people there other than him. But he was there to witness it. Yeah. And darn well God was. Yeah. (laughs) But that was the beginning of the way out of this awful, awful faith crisis. Like, there's something special about being baptized. Well, that was your valley of death, right? Yep. And interesting how you recited the, the creed, the Apostles' Creed, and, you know, I believe, I believe, I believe. And, and you know, out of the heart, the, the cry was, I believe this. You know? Lord, I believe, <laughs> help me with my unbelief. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, there's not too many dry eyes here in this room, by the way, just so, so you know. <laughs> So yeah. if you're wondering, like, what's the big deal? Why is there such a big celebration over, you know, this baptism? It's because this is a big freaking deal. Like, yeah. <laughs> there's, there's something special that happened to this amazing kid that he chose to enter into. Yeah. And it's going, like, God's going to be faithful to him through his life. Yeah. Yep. And wow. so now, now the, I don't know, I don't want to say it falls to me, but at the same time, it, it does, there is some weight on my shoulders to continue to be like, to lead him in that way too. Yeah. And it's, it's. That's where we need community. Because remember, Josiah didn't have a good dad. Yeah. But he had a good priest. That's right. He had a good mom. You know, he had people around him who uh, nurtured him in the things that God had for him, you know. And I don't know, the first year of his reign, he might have ordered lots of chocolate chip cookies from the kitchen, but, you know, (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) You know, uh, he did amazing things. You know, suddenly he's he's 16 years old and he, uh, you know, he revives the temple of God, you know. And uh, who knows, 16 years old, reviving the temple of God, bringing the people of God back to their God, you know. Uh, It's amazing. With the power of God in a child, you know, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's never a limit age. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, thank you, brother. No, it's still good. Got some, yeah. All right. Good. <laughs> so we are doing this a little bit earlier in the afternoon, and uh, I know this is the dad's not a dad's not a drinker. This is so the earliest we've ever podcasted. This is the, <laughs> the very first one that I've not had a drink in. <laughs> I got the Diet Coke going, and uh, yeah, so uh, yeah. there is something really to be celebrated. I, I, the thing is, I, I can do the thirty thousand foot outside view of it sometimes, and having non Christians listen to this and be like, "Oh, this is this is just crazy," but I, I I'm like, "Yeah, fine." It is crazy, but that it is, is insane. I, 
we're talking about mystical truths and great, wonderful, lovely <laughs> mysteries. Like, it's hard to get, and it's not Especially, just the flat, materialistic look of the world. This isn't making any sense, but nope. I refuse to have my imagination limited mm-hmm. to... You know, to a textbook. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you look at it, just the physical stuff that we've done today, it's nothing. Yeah, I mean, every anybody can do it. Well, mm-hmm. anybody can get Swimming. wet. Swimming, <laughs> but if you look at the expression of the heart of this day, it's uh, it's so much all the heart. Yeah, you know, our heart is declared, and salvation is declared. And I'm not talking getting saved. I'm talking about uh, deliverance. Future deliverance, you know, that that testimony carries you through, that signpost carries you through so many things, you know. Uh, you know, I, again, I go back to my early Christian walk. I mean, I was 18 when I came to the Lord. Not that he didn't speak to me before that, just that it was 18 when I came to know the Lord. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were having family fights. I mean, there was feuding going on over well, doctrine, had, over all kinds brothers. of things. Yeah, I had five brothers. I mean, brothers fight. Uh, you know, I remember uh, one uh, chasing me around with the, the stoker because I was speaking against a certain doctrine that I no longer believed. And, you know, well, you're a boy, as if a stoker would stop you. I mean, <laughs> we fought. <laughs> you know, I remember uh, throwing my brother through a, a, a drywall wall. Didn't realize drywall was that weak, you know. <laughs> you know well, all when you're over 18, doctrine. it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, all over, we're not going to sing that song no more around here, you know. Yeah. And, <laughs> Uh, the passion uh, that uh, came into our lives as we were obedient to follow after God, you know, uh, it caused fights, but it, they were good fights, you know, yeah. <laughs> necessary fights. Uh, we fought with our own thinking, you know, which yeah. is good, powerful. And, and and you still have a relationship with all your brothers that is able to endure through through all of it too. Oh yeah, we're all celebrating it now. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's amazing just seeing that happen. It's like, okay, what does it look like? What does it mean? And actually struggling through your faith. Everyone thinks that you become a Christian. You just, oh, everyone believes the same thing all the time. It's like, no. Yeah. <laughs> you're go, you're going to struggle. You're going to push through. You're going to have these things to butt up against because you got to figure out what you believe. And maybe you're reading it wrong. Yeah. Maybe you're not understanding the context or understanding where it came from and, and how do we interpret it and how do we really – push towards what is true yeah. and and think assuming assuming you have it all together assuming you know all of it you're you put yourself in your own little echo chamber and it's like no one can tell you otherwise that's mm-hmm. that's that's not a that's not communal living yeah and you need that community to butt up against yeah and we need one another to, ch- to challenge one another you know? yeah um, I, I've had uh, amazing people along uh, the way some not for a long time, just for a few days, and make such an impact in my life. I remember uh, the young youth pastor who taught me about uh, grace, because I was brought up very legalistic in the church that I was brought up, and then I came to know the Lord through somewhat of a legalistic system. And you know, I thought you know I was uh, kind of the daisy doctrine. You know, He loves me, He loves me not. He loves me, He loves me not. You know, I've done this, He loves me not. You know, oh, I grew up, I grew up Mennonite. I know what you mean. <laughs> you know, and uh, and to suddenly realize that God loved me no matter where I was at, was uh, mind-blowing to me. And, and I didn't know how, how to explain all this, just he says, the grace of God's always there for you. And so I learned the grace of God. And, and then I remember, you know, going, heading off to Bible college and, you know, getting all the 
the grace message and what it was and what the difference between grace and legalism and all that fun stuff. But you know what? To me, it was an experience before it was ever an understood belief system. And I think that's what people need to experience is, is the grace of God. Now, uh, I heard, uh, I believe it was Rick Warren said, uh, he's a grace believer with a mean Armenia streak, you know. You, you, your your belief system has to be reflected in your behavior, you know. you got to see a transformed life, not for the sake of God, but for the people around you, you know. And not for, uh, for me, but for my kids. I want my kids to experience so much more than I ever experienced. You know? well, my, my, my thought on that is sometimes the, the belief system that you intellectually think you have isn't your actual belief system. <laughs> so true. <laughs> like, right? Like, yeah. like you, can, you can say you believe something, but it doesn't, like, you're, you're, you're almost like trying to, like, fake it. <laughs> like, like, fake it till you make it. Like, so, yeah. Right? Like, you know, I believe... Okay, so I got one. Okay, my yeah. brother-in-law called me out on this recently. So uh, one of the clubs in town, they do a motorcycle giveaway, and I, I am cheap, <laughs> and uh, I use this line of if God wants me to win it, all I need to do is buy one, because if God didn't want me to win it, I, I I could buy all of them, except one and still lose, and I'm like, so I'm just gonna buy one because I don't need to buy more than one because if God wants me to, I'll win it, and he's like, or you could use your brain and math. <laughs> God allows us to use our brain, and and maybe you're just being a, a cheap guy. And I'm like, yeah, maybe because I, 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 I believe first category. I, I, I believe enough. in the. Is, I, I I believe, and I I try to be. I'm I try not to lean mystic in a lot of ways, and I'm, I try. But simultaneously, I'm like, yeah, but if if I, God doesn't want me to win it, I'm not going to win it. That's it. And, well, simultaneously, but there is math, and there is probability, and to di- but I'm like, okay, but how much do you discount one for the other? And I'm like, well, here's a question to ask. Like, what if, what if God didn't say buy a ticket or not? <laughs> True. <laughs> what if he's like, I really don't care if you win this motorcycle or not. I'm yeah. not ordaining. <laughs> That's right. That's exactly it. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> So and what's what? It, then I got to look at my heart. So what if, is my heart in buying the ticket? Am yeah, I looking to says, support them? Buy a ticket. Okay, buy a ticket. <laughs> yeah, but am I just? Is my heart to support? <laughs> Don't them? blame being cheap on God. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of things I say I believe while simultaneously well, maybe I'm like, looking for an excuse to buy a ticket. Yeah. Uh, well, I need it's, like, one. it's like if you know if you're like let's say my son Mac. Like I'm gonna throw him under the bus hard right now. <laughs> He's not gonna listen. <laughs> Not for a while. <laughs> so he's not scared of water anymore, but for a while he was. Yeah. And so I'd say, like, okay, jump in. I'm going to catch you. And, you know, do you believe I'm going to catch you? Sucker. Yeah. Jump. No. <laughs> so he, you know, in a real, really real way, <laughs> he didn't really believe I was going to catch him. He believed he was going to enter the water and drown. Like, that's because he was acting out of the deep belief, not the one he was saying to me, <laughs> you know, to appease my question. Well, see, God, is God going to, will God heal? Or can God heal? Yes. Will he? No, I don't think so. <laughs> right? Like, I really do feel that way. Yeah. Honestly, in a lot of ways, they're like, oh, do you believe God can heal? I'm like, yes. I'm like, do you believe he'll heal you? No. Because you don't think you're worthy. 
Well, that, that's part. Yeah, of course. <laughs> of course, there's some level. We of just had a, we just had a big discussion on what on the word deserve or, uh, or worthiness before God. The yeah. Other day, Interesting. Yep. Yeah, and so there there's a lot of dynamics to that. It's like, yeah, you say one thing, but do you believe? And it's like, okay, all right. There's that go. word believe again. Yeah. Oh, all it's, that it's, repentance. It's such a it's such a big word. <laughs> Faith, believe, like they're just. It's amazing uh, the difference because between it because it's there's an eighteen inch difference. Yeah, head or heart. Yeah, soul or spirit. Yeah, but you so, sometimes you you speak things out in spite of yourself. You're like, no, I'm going yeah. to speak it. I may not. It may not be in my heart, but I know in my head. I'm like, no, I know what I ought to do, and I'm going to walk in it without knowing for certain. <laughs> yeah, Lord, help my unbelief. Yeah, what an awesome prayer. Right. You know, yeah, yeah, uh, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief, because mm -hmm. there's a part of me that just can't wrap its head around this, you know. Yeah. And uh, more and more, and there's, there's times in life where you got to lean on that. Yeah. More and more, I am believing for miracles in our, in our, everyday walk in the Lord in the body of Christ. And uh, I, if I'm not seeing it, I'm asking the question: God, where's my heart? You know. Uh, is there some a reason that it's not happening? And, and we're seeing more and more miracles, you know, on a regular basis. Cancer being healed, you know. Right now, we're praying for a certain person to be healed of diabetes. And by the way, that's not the first time. I remember a Catholic priest we prayed for and got healed of diabetes. You know, it's, God heals of diabetes today. Do you realize that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I've so, seen so, that. So, sometimes <laughs> there, by exercise that. and diet. <laughs> oh no, this one was just a mirac uh, miraculous healing. Just poof. <laughs> Yeah. You know, uh, by the way, we were praying for a cold, not for diabetes. You know, it was just one of those weird things. Yeah. You know, God takes you and uses you despite where you're at. And, uh, uh, you know, you go back to the word that says, uh, Jesus said, these things that I'm doing, you're going to do, and greater things yet. A and it's that greater things yet that we don't believe yet. Oh, yeah, straight up. I struggle with that hard. <laughs> like, that's one, of those, that's one of those things that's still in the trying to let go of understanding phase. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and But I want to be there. And, and not just for my sake, but for everybody that's coming behind. Uh, I, I know the, the prophecy that uh, um, uh, Smith Wigglesworth gave, gave to David de Plessis, uh, where in the end times, uh, as uh, we get close to the, the struggle of history, uh, that the church... The body of Christ, and not the physical building there. The body of Christ is going to be emptying out uh, hospitals. You know, I'm eager for that day. And I'm not going to wait for that day to start laying hands on people and, God, you do it. You know, uh, I remember the conference we were at a few years back. You know, 25% of the people we prayed for got healed. You know, miraculous healings. Uh, genuine healings. You know, in fact, you weren't allowed to give testimony unless you were at least 80% whole. You know? You <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and you had to have proof. And, you know, within a night, I think, uh, you know, we had some 200 healings. Oh, and wow. we had people from calling from around the world saying, healed, foot grow back, toes grow back, stuff like that, you know. And, but I'd God is stretching our faith. God is stretching our faith. You know, yeah, and uh, our emotions get in the way. We got to get rid of it. But, but their control. <laughs> See, I, str I struggle with a lot of the healing language because sometimes we we're requesting healing for something. There's an answer for. Sometimes no, you're just not doing what you know you ought to be doing. Yep. Yep. Lord, help me lose weight. Well, you put down the friggin' fork. <laughs> 
I'm sorry. I, I know a guy who oh, is. Yeah. There are some people out there with legitimate medical issues, and then there's some people who just need to put down the fork yeah. or get off their ass and, and, and start walking. Not running, not lifting, not, no, just start walking and stepping it out. And, and that's yeah. why I struggle so much with some of the healing stuff is, is some people... I'm not saying God helps those who help yeah, themselves. You're, you're, looking, not you're looking for the, the Deo Ex Machina <laughs> to my you know, solution, right? Yeah. yeah. Like. And I'm like, no, God God has called you to treat your body like a temple. Stop going to McDonald's every single day or every yeah. other day and then and then expecting to be in the best shape of your life. God wants you to be healthy. Yeah, but it take, you have to do your part. You do. Yeah, there, there there's uh, – and there's knowing uh, – there's where wisdom – and knowledge intercept, yep. and uh, we need the wisdom of God so that when we're praying for people and we're asking for healing, that uh, and I often get this, you know, uh, God will. I'm praying for somebody and they're wanting healing, and uh, and then I'll ask them, you know, specific questions, and they're not ready to receive their healing. You know, it, it's evident they're just not ready, and they're not doing the things that they should be doing. And so, yeah, there's wisdom, uh, you know. Uh, one person not that long ago, I said, you're going to receive your healing if you're willing to humble yourself. Oh, that's not a good thing to say <laughs> as a pastor. What are you telling me? I'm not humble? Well, yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm telling you. You, know, oh, you, you need to walk that, in you? humility. <laughs> <laughs> we, yeah. got a, we got a live one here. So bright. <laughs> I remember uh, another fellow. went to college. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, by the way, uh, I'm a high school dropout, uh, called only by the power of God, not by the power of me. <laughs> and so we're ministering in another church, and uh, I often got to preach on Sunday evenings. And a fella comes up, and he wanted healing for um, uh, for something he had. Uh, but he didn't want his back to be healed, because then he'd have to go back to work. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, Sorry, back of the bus guy, you're not getting any prayer here, and I made sure that nobody ministered to him until he repented of that. Yep. Ch- changed his mind about that. Because God wants you to be fruitful yep. uh, in everything that God... Uh, but he loved being on welfare, and because of it, and he I didn't want it. his back healed. I I'm get sorry, it. I can't pray for you. <laughs> I, I hear where he's coming from. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> but no, that's not where we're called to be. <laughs> that's pretty bold to ask. <laughs> like, in my mind, I'm like, have you no shame? <laughs> None. None. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Then again, I'm I, I'm a workaholic. So. Yeah, yeah. You and your dad like squirrels yeah. on crack. I tell you. Yeah. The other is, uh, you know, the presence of the Holy Spirit was so powerful. Uh, I remember in that season, um, you know, I was telling people, uh, if I'm preaching that night, there's going to be no no catchers. You know, if you're going to follow the power of the Lord, it's going to be the power of the Lord, or you're giving God a freebie. You know. And less uh, <laughs> people faith, you fell uh, those nights that I was preaching than the other Funny. nights when there was catchers. Funny know? how that works. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're yeah. not willing to risk a concussion. Come on, <laughs> if you believe enough, God will keep you from getting a concussion. <laughs> you know, uh, and this coming from a guy you know, who never fell. Uh, Forward or backwards, just crumbled. You, know? <laughs> you too. Yeah, I'm a, I, I was a crumbler, a crumbler. for a long time. <laughs> you know, and uh, but God so moves, and uh, that's power of the assembling together of God's people. We were talking about that earlier. We so need to gather together, even as we see the day approaching. It's not about church; it's about us people 
coming into the presence of God together and then suddenly the manifest presence of God is there and healing flows and ministry flows and gifts flow and uh, somebody's got a song, somebody's got a tongue, somebody's got interpretation, somebody's got a healing well, they, hand. They better have an interpretation if they're going to have a tongue. I'm sorry, but that, they, have, they go hand in hand. Oh, oh yeah, they I do. Am, they do. <laughs> I have gone so strongly against that, the, the, the mumbo-jumbo talking and nobody's there to interpret. Shut up. Well, no, no, I, like I'm not against praying in tongues uh, I, I, and, I, and doing that publicly as long as it's not standing out. And I mean, that's, but I, I'm quite strict. Like you, I think I'm quite strict about it. If you're going to, you know, be uh, publicly declaring a tongue, which I believe there's two ministries, that of prayer and that of uh, uh, prophetic, um, yeah, there's, there's got to be an interpretation. Mind you, I, I, I've been in places where, I remember when I first got saved, you know, somebody starts speaking in tongues. No, sorry, worshiping. He was worshiping in French. He's not French. How's this be? You know, that, that so this you, couldn't you, be. You you had the interpretation for him. Yeah, well, I didn't need the interpretation. He was just worshiping. You know, <laughs> uh, uh, he thought he was speaking in tongues. You know, well, uh, heavenly language, French. <laughs> just, just kidding. <laughs> you know, but uh, and then uh, you know, in Bible college, you know, uh, you know, we had a Japanese student. Somebody speaks in tongues, and we're very strict on it. Must be interpreted. Uh, well, you could pray in tongues altogether, but when it stood out, it had to be interpreted. Anyways, so uh, this uh, somebody, one of student body, speaks this tongue, and they're waiting on the interpretation. They're waiting on the interpretation. It doesn't come, and finally, uh, they dismiss the service, and uh, you know it would have been up to the uh, whoever led the chapel that morning to go and correct this person for having spoken in tongues with nobody interpreting. And, uh, mm -hmm. Here. Masahiri comes to the, the instructor. He says, who is that? He spoke in perfect Japanese, and that was for me. You know? Yeah. That's God. That's God. Yeah. <laughs> and I agree. It needs to be interpreted. Yeah. The, the, the biggest problem I have with it most of the time is the showiness of it. The just, yeah. just doing it. And I'm like, shut up. Stop. Yeah. Yeah. No. This is, no one should hear it's you otherwise. It's a thermometer of whether you're spiritual or not. Yeah, and that was the yeah, problem that I had with it for a long time. I'm like, what, why Why does everybody need to do this? I'm like, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And if you're good, but don't, and there's so much, I've seen it so often because I've been in the church for so long that you see the showiness and it's like, dude, it, there was always something that irked me about it. But at the moment, you say nothing because you're in a hyper, maybe somebody else, and it's for them and this. And I'm like, no, at some point, it's showy. And and Paul is really uh, gives us good direction. He says, if there's somebody speaking in tongues, let somebody interpret. Mm -hmm. now, now, having said that, he didn't put praying in tongues to the side. No. In fact, he, he said, I pray in tongues more than anybody here. So <laughs> humble. <laughs> yet, yet so when he spoke, if, he says he wanted it his words. Not to be just teaching, he wanted them to be prophetic. And, and, and I think we've lost that edge in the church that we preach rather than prophesy. Oh, yeah. know, and they're, it they're, says they're... that even your young ladies, the, the maidens, the, the, the 10-year-old and the eight-year-old are going to not just <sighs> I think it's speak, okay that it's but pulled be away prophetic. From that, I think it's good because there's no consequence for false prophets anymore. If you false prophesy nowadays, it's, it's like, oh, well, it's not for this time. And maybe you should be stoned. I don't know. Like, <laughs> there, there's no consequence. Yeah, but you don't judge. See, in Old Testament, you judge a prophet. In New Testament, you judge a prophecy. And it's like cheating a child to walk. How many of you 
when your child stumbled, did you say, you're never going to walk again. I'm not going to allow that again. No, I'm, no, we I'm teach just, him I'm, to walk. <laughs> I'm just going to say, anytime anybody's ever prophesied over me, it's been total gibberish and turned out to be entirely bullshit. <laughs> straight up. like and, it's, and Paul says it needs to be confirmed. You know, yeah. if somebody's speaking a word over you, uh, uh, in fact, I had a word uh, not that long ago. I said, yeah. okay, I'm waiting on two more confirmations to that word. Why? Because I have no idea whether this is God or this is just man or Satan. You know, I mean, Satan can inspire words to people and it's not of God. It's of Satan. Yeah. And so, uh, and the other thing is we try, I think, sometimes try to rush the interpretation. Yeah. You know, when God is just saying, be gentle here, learn, wait, you know, just like a child walking. Y yeah. You teach so them my, my, to my do this. My intuition is that at least in the church circles I've been in for the last while, is that like everybody is like trying to artificially recreate revi revival mm -hmm. and pushing something that happens spontaneously into just being a thing that you can do and turn the tap on. And it just, there's it, just, there's no fruit there. It's just nothing is happening. I think it's because we're playing church. Uh, I know that's a big statement. <laughs> <laughs> but we're playing church. Uh, like the church is to be the gathering where we celebrate the resurrection of Christ. Where, uh, when we're gathered together, His presence is there, and it's awesome, and we're we're responding to it. But evangelism needs to happen way before that, you know. And uh, salvation needs to happen before we get to church. And you know, uh, and I guess that's where I'm more and more convinced that uh, you know, church is the last place you should be inviting people to come to Jesus. Yeah, I'd agree I'm with saying that, that tug in cheek. <laughs> I know you're a pastor. That's... <laughs> I'm saying that tug in cheek because you know you should be leading your friends to the Lord. Yeah, way like... before you got to church. Never... Church is the place where you come to celebrate together. You know, it's just we've got it all backwards. And, and I'm we're Michael and I were talking about that. You know, I, I guess we were talking about it on the porch. You know, we we've put our mission behind church. Rather than our church, then, or rather, mission first and then church second. Mission, the church should be born out of missions, not missions born out of the church. You know, yeah. And, uh, yeah, Christology is first all the time, but the early church had it right. Yeah. They got people saved, and then they had to coordinate a gathering. Let's go house to house and break bread, because there's no building big enough to contain us. You know, 3,000 people got saved on the day of Pentecost. You know, where do you put them? Even the synagogue can hold that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe the temple could. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't think they'd be like, yeah, come on in. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> a bunch of Gentiles. <laughs> yeah, but, but, but isn't, isn't that just, you know, that's, that's the way of it when you're converting a population. Like, how do you do it once, once that base is laid? Do you think we're afraid of small church? I don't think so. Like uh, house church? I think there's a fear that we're oh, you know, Unless, nobody's going to know a that lack we of got legitimacy, saved. a lack of legitimacy exactly. through a house church because they assume that oh well you don't actually have a bill oh you don't have a C three or whatever they call it the the government number that allows you to do this it's like it, it seems there's a lack of of uh, recognition when of, you're, home. Of, of a home church and yeah. I think yeah there there is a certain level of that is oh God's yeah. obviously not doing anything there because if he was there'd be a lot more. You wouldn't be able to contain it in the house. And, and you noticed you said home church? Yeah. How about group? How about, you know, why are we calling it church? Like, 
yes, it's the church, but the church is the people, not the the place. Well, it's a, it's you know, so often we get we trump ourselves in our own words. You know, um, and so one of the things I uh, this just this week I said uh, I want to know when your Bible study is happening at, uh, you know, over at your end of the the world, and I want to do it as an announcement because that Bible study over there is just as important as the one that's happening at our place. You know, I. I think I think the word church uh, implies a recognized hierarchy as well, because to have to call, have a home church, well, there still has to be a leader. There has to be a, I don't want to say alpha because I don't think that's the right word, but uh, I can't think of a better word. A, head, <laughs> a headship above above other people, and I yeah, think you you can get renegades so fast. Oh yeah, <laughs> and you can you can see little sex happen, and then some all of a sudden there's a monastery out in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> And it's a but, dangerous game. But the problem is that we're trying to reestablish church as we know it rather than – it's, again, putting the cart before the horse. Yep. You know, let's be missional first and then establish the gathering as an after effect of having been missional. Okay. You know, and so um, – and the other thing is – and this has happened down through history uh, – we get people saved and we plug them into the church and pull them out of their culture and out of their friends group and and, and those things. And I think we got to leave them there so they can win their friends because their friends are going to see their transformed lives. And they're going to ask questions and disciples are going to be made not because we understand doctrine, not become because we've got everything our belief systems lined up, but mm-hmm. because the power of God has made a difference in that person's life. And the, I think the transition out of that group should be slow and gentle so that they don't leave anybody behind, <clears throat> you know, that they all come into the body of Christ at their own pace. That makes sense? Yeah, I suppose so. I suppose, but the question that was going into my head while you were talking about this is, then what what steps are you taking as a pastor of a church to uh, to reorient the direction in which you're doing it? Because you want to you want to disciple men to be mission based while simultaneously mm-hmm. as a pastor of a building uh, of a church <laughs> of you're like you're you're kind of already yeah. at the, the the church point and so you've already stepped into the the, the yeah. end result and, and, and here we are adding a sanctuary for 250 people yeah. Oh. Uh, but here's the thing is why are we adding the sanctuary and what's the purpose of this Uh, now granted the building that we have has no basement has no place for sunday school has no place you know for doing some of the ministries we want to do Uh, but the church needs to become or i and i'm using the word church here as it's being understood in our modern context yeah is uh it needs to be a hub yeah not a denomination, not a, you know, it needs to be the hub of where Christians gather together to celebrate what he's done all week. But yep. the problem is we play church only once a week, maybe twice if you attend is, bi- the Bible people school are playing or a Bible too. study. You know, we need to be church, the church all week and we need to be winning souls all week. And then we get together on Sunday and we need to be celebrating all that he's done all week. Yeah. You know, and, and I've been, uh, uh, encouraging our church, uh, over again and again, uh, I refer to the church, the people that are in French and Butte. When you come on Sunday, I want somebody to have a song, somebody to have a scripture, somebody to have an exhortation. I don't want to be the only one speaking up here. And you know what? Uh, the more I've done it and, and I've been very intentional on it, 
uh, uh, before service starts, who's got the scripture this week? What's God been saying this week? Ezekiel twenty three twenty. Finally, it's happening where the people are coming. <gasps> God's been talking to me. And here's the scripture that I've got. And guess what? I, a lot of my sermons uh, right now and teachings I've been putting on overhead. And I find that the scripture they refer to is already in my overhead notes. You know, how can you deny that God's been talking mm-hmm. when it's already lined up? Mm. You know, and, and they've come not knowing what pastor's going to be talking about, but there it is. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it becomes that aha moment. God is talking to us. And it's not church. It's not, sorry, it's not religion. It's being the body of Christ. You know, and it's not being church traditional. It's being church real. You know, and to me, that's exciting. Yeah. I guess I've been preaching that for quite a few years now. You better be the church. Don't just go to church. You know, yeah. And the other is, as a pastor, I'll often tell people, I hate church. I hate religion. What do you mean you're a pastor? Well, I still hate religion because religion is all about organizing and coordinating and and there's well, see, no freedom. I, 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 yeah, this I is gotta, where I'm gonna I'm gonna let Devin unload this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I dislike that false or I don't want to say just false, but I, I dislike that that characterization of religion, right? Um, like so for me, when the relationship with God left, when that was done, the religion part is what kept me the community the sorry Siri thinks she has an answer for you <laughs> <laughs> yeah the the community the the wanting to be a part of it the the worship the 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 things the the commitment to following God is what kept me when the relationship was gone in the same way that struggling with my wife when the relationship is on the rocks the commitment to her the 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 fact that i signed a paper that i entered into covenant that i that i love her that there's consequences (laughs) of dissolving our relationship is something that is a part of what has bound us. I mean, like I, I see the idea of of religion because, like, if you are a believer in God, you are, or you're you've baptized, you're you're tied into the body of Christ. You're a religious person. You've said, "I am part of this covenant," as opposed to being like, "I've got an open relationship with God." <laughs> Right, you've like got a which an, rel- op- an open, open relationship, relationship right? Oh, okay. like, <laughs> like, like, are you just simply spiritual? Are you like? Does God not require anything of you? Is there not a deal in place where God requires obedience for the grace that He's given you? Right, like there, there's more than just saying, "Oh, I'm a believer." Like you can believe in God, and just not do be a part have any obedience but you can you can have the head belief mm. so, so mm-hmm. when when i hear the word religion like disparage i get a little i get a little edgy about it because uh-huh. i think there's a color there that we can't just completely write off well i think there's been this huge um negative connotation that goes along with the word religion especially in north america where where oh, we yeah. just assume 
the absolute worst out of every single Catholic. It's like kicking your grandmother in the shins as somebody used to like to. I think you used to say that. Uh, where <laughs> as Christians, it's like kicking your grandmother in the shins when you, you disparage so negatively any kind of word or that reflects religiosity. And uh, I know people, they, I know young people that don't know intentionally conscientious religious people. They'll be like, oh, God hates religious. I'm like, eh. I don't think so. And it's these young, dumb kids that don't know what they're talking about. And they don't know anyone who is conscientious, conscientiously working out their faith, even if it comes across as in religious means. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't think you actually know a religious person who's, who's yeah. being and very intentional some, with their time. And like sometimes and having, faith. having the structure, having the authority, that stuff, like it can come back as a blessing in the end, even if you rebel from it for a while. Like, I mean, for instance, like, you, you know, you're sitting here with your dad, right? Your dad is an authority, you know, <laughs> over you, or yeah. at least was while you were a child. <laughs> yes, yeah. And there was a time when you rebelled from that. Yeah, we moved into friendship now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you've moved, but no, there's, yeah. it's more than just friendship. You're oh, yeah. still his father. Yeah. yeah. And he honors you. Uh-huh. That's a commandment. Yeah. But so you, you've you've got this thing that it developed into after his rebellion. Because believe me, Mike's told me some stories, okay? <laughs> oh, and we know more than he thinks we know. <laughs> well, you haven't listened to the podcast, I hope. It just... <laughs> you know, and so having structure, even though you chafed at it when you were in it, still can come back to bless you later. Because like being born in chaos, sometimes it's a harder road to hoe to come to a place of order with God then if you rebel from the religion of your youth, but then, you know, realize that this this time of just doing whatever the hell I want isn't all it's cracked up to be either, and then finding this place in the middle. It's easier yeah. to do that if you come from a structure than just being somebody who exists in chaos and doesn't have yeah. any idea of what they're missing. Yeah. So are we, do we sometimes confuse then, uh, and maybe this is, I'm thinking openly here, thinking, uh, do we sometimes confuse um, uh, disciplines with religion? Because, well, you know, uh, disciplines uh, are a part of it. Uh, and maybe that's where I, 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 maybe I'm dividing it. To me, religion is what the, the, the uh, ecumenical church does. And, uh, discipline is something that you uh, you grow into. Uh, you're taught um, as uh, morals, as beyond what religion is, and maybe that's where. Yeah, I'm gonna have to give that more thought, even to myself. You know, just uh, yeah, I've never viewed um, the rituals as being religious. Because we do things religiously well, because out there's of a, there's, there's discipline. Another, there's, we, there's other religions, right, that will do other ones, right? Like you're you're choosing a lane when you're yeah. when you're picking a religion. You're not just saying I'm just spiritual. I just have a relationship with Jesus. No, you're saying no. I'm going to obey what the Bible says. I'm going to actually assent to having a limitation put on <laughs> on what I assume is spiritual or correct. Yeah, you've you know, got boundaries is what you're talking about. There's boundaries set up. And because there has to be we, we there do, has to be some kind of authority for those boundaries to exist. Otherwise, they're arbitrary. Yeah, because yeah. We, we always, we like to use this, um, it's a two-parter. One, the evangelical non-denominational church likes to rip on the, 
not very often or consciously or even subconsciously they, they rip on the the uh, religious posturings of the catholic churches kneeling and repeating and this that and the other and then they'll turn around and it's like all right everyone my church is bad for this where they'll like put yourself in a posture of receiving like receiving mode and it's putting your hands in front of you almost as if you're catching something mm-hmm. and i'm like that's religious posturing you're do you're you're Everything you're ripping on over here, you're doing right now. You just you just reworded it, and you're making it all fancy and a lot nicer. <laughs> and so we put ourselves in this area. And uh, oh, there was a second part that I was going to put on that. Uh, we have a standard in which if somebody says um, if somebody says one they're a believer or a Christian, and then they turn around and cuss or sleep around and do all these things, it's like, no, you're not. <laughs> Because if, if you were, you wouldn't be living the way that you're living. So it's one thing to say. So there is a certain recognized aspect of acting out your faith. Because you could say it all you want. You could say you believe. But if you're not acting in it, you're in what adheres to that religious or uh, adheres to that belief system, you're not going to be recognized as a believer. Because they're going to be able to tell the difference between the two. And it's, it's yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's like um, somebody... Um, um borrowing an example here from uh, uh, Robert Morris. He said somebody told him one day, he says, I believe in tithing, I just don't do it. And he, he was quick and sharp. He said, no, that is not right. Though. You know, and he says, that's like saying, I believe in being faithful to my wife. You better be practicing that, especially if she's standing there and you're saying it, because <laughs> yeah, exactly. belief yeah. will cause behavior. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah. And so if you believe in tithing, you will be tithing. You yeah. cannot believe in tithing and not do it. Yeah. yeah. And so our belief system, yes, needs to affect our behavior. In fact, it doesn't need to. It does. Exactly. It doesn't need to. It does. Yeah. Like, you know, like, yeah. it's like with my wife. Like, she's my wife because we're married and I'm faithful to her. That's the covenant that we set up. Uh-huh. We're not husband and wife because she's the person I'm sleeping with long term. <laughs> right? That's true. She's not we... my wife because we have the best relationship we could as, as a man and woman. You ventured she's... into a covenant. Yeah. We ventured into a covenant. <laughs> yeah. That So, the way I see it is religion is the covenant you're choosing. Because oh, okay. you've seen yeah. the boundaries that you're ascending to and saying, I agree with and I will I will obey these yeah. boundaries. And and we've seen these people that, that try to say, oh, we're, we're, we're married in the eyes of the Lord or we're married. <laughs> and they, they try these little things. Well, guess what? Two, three, four years down the road, guess what? They're no longer married in the eyes of anybody. Yeah. <laughs> because they, they never had the actual commitment. They they just, they, yeah. they had the verbal commitment. It was easy. And, it was <laughs> and as a pastor, I'll often have people come up and say, uh, we want to take the next step. <laughs> Both Maxine and I kind of cringe. No, no. Nay, nay. This is not the next step. Yeah, this is what you should have done a long time ago, and yeah, now you're wanting. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, th- this is not a next step, and you're thinking that this is going to fix the problems you presently have in your present relationship. It, getting married, not, in fact, is going to make an eyeglass out of it, and you're going to yeah. see things mm-hmm. that you never thought you'd see. You know, um, I have often said, uh, you know, it's, love is blind, marriage is glasses for the blind. <laughs> yeah, if you're wondering why, that's, that's a, uh, if, if you're wondering why your relationship got a lot harder after you got married, there's yeah. a good reason why. Yeah, it's like it, you, you now you are stuck 
dealing with it with consequences and you're not glossing over what you yeah. refused to see before. Yeah. I, I, I don't believe in long-term engagements no. uh, just because of the dangers that are there, nor do I believe in short-term engagements because of the dangers that are there. And uh, uh, you get infatuated and usually lasts between six and eight months. Yeah. Yeah, I, rem then, I remember one of the best pieces of advice you told me as a kid was, I can't lie to you for a year. <laughs> and so so I spent the first year paying very close attention to, to my relationship with Amanda. And I remember after three months, it was really tough with this one girl I was dating before. Very nice girl. Turns out she's very much not my type. But three months was work. And and then another girl, I would date her for, I dated her for a little while. And it just, it the lies caught up. <laughs> and, and it was just like, okay, the, the infatuation, yeah, you're right. It was just after eight months, but they can't lie for a year. So whatever is going to happen, uh, I believe in dating for at least a year or, or ha courtship is probably a better word because yeah. you're, you're I was going into it with the intention of getting married. And at that year mark, I'm like, no, this was the greatest year of my life. It's been hard. There has been disagreements and all this stuff. But at the same time, like, this is the best thing ever. And so at that moment, I'm like, yeah, Getting married, <laughs> like this will, yeah. if she's willing to say yes, uh, and she's yeah, yeah. And, and I guess uh, you know, yeah. So don't be too. Uh, and I, I've told Michael this. Uh, I told all our boys this. If you're going to date a girl, go ask the dad permission to date. Mm. And I remember Michael saying, "That's old fashioned." <laughs> do you remember saying that? I'd never said that in my life. <laughs> I'm never going to do that. <laughs> With that being said, I, I did ask Amanda's father permission to date her, and that was actually something that stood out for her. Yeah. Mm. It's an old school value. It's an old school value. And some might say that that's religious, and yet I find it to be a value, not a, a religious thing, but rather a value thing. You value somebody. Yeah. You value the parent. You value... Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, and yeah, so, yeah, so it's, it's it's a tradition, but it's a tradition tradition of value. Yes, yeah, it has moral value. Yeah. So that that's where I see the that's where I see the value in in the word religion, or or just in okay, or, I or see, in the, I see in the traditions of. So our definition of religion yeah. is definitely different. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so like that's that's how I see that word play out, and yeah. it's it's done me well. <laughs> yeah. You know, I look at the Catholic Church, uh, being born raised Catholic. Uh, the pageantry in the Catholic Church was amazing. I love the pageantry of it, and e within evangelical circles, I kind of say, "Where's our pageantry? We don't have it." And we're mm -hmm. missing something because we don't have that pageantry. Yeah. So for all of its faults, there is actually things of value still there. I mean, like I'm a, I've got a rosary right here because this is one of the things that coming coming back from that decision that I'm helped me pray again. Uh -huh. And well, so, there's there's books on it. There's a, what's what's that book? Uh, but that's something that you know, growing up, I was like, that's religious bullshit. <laughs> nope, nope, nope. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. you know when when I couldn't talk to God anymore the with the desire to still talk to him that's the yeah. thing you couldn't but you had the desire was still there I'll tell you like that that not prayer by rote but that that conscious slow recitation and thinking about the words that you were saying and coming back to them again and coming back to them again and then stopping and thinking about a beautiful mystery of the gospel and then starting to pray again, that unlocked a thing that had gone away from me. Mm -hmm. There's sometimes, Michael, you talked about posturing. Yeah, religious posturing, yeah. Yeah, uh, and yet there's something about pacing the floor. 
Powerful. But that, that 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 is that is that is a scientifically proven thing of keeping the blood flowing that actually helps your mind work. They say that if you're actually walking around, that's why you see some sermons. The, if the guy's walking around, he's actually working through a thought. Jordan Peterson does it in his sermons, you don't need, or in his uh, his speaks, where when he's walking around, he's working through thoughts. But if you're yeah. sitting there, you ever try and have a conversation when you're just sitting there? Half the time, you're not. Your brain's not working the same. Your blood's not yeah. flowing the same, and and yes, that pacing and and you look at what what's that um, uh, a, a pilgrimage? They have these pilgrimage walks that you can do mm-hmm. in some holy areas, and it's, it's in I've the shape of a cross. And I did it with the kids uh, last year. We went to this place, and I'm like, hey, I know of one, and because I was like trying to figure out something to do in this area because we had mm-hmm. to break up a drive, and there was this pilgrimage walk or whatever it was, and it's yeah. to symbolize the. Uh, walk to Jerusalem, and you're supposed to do it in prayer, and you're just walking through this entire thing. And there's well, yeah, an entrance I mean, and a an lot exit. of a lot of the psalms are songs, uh, psalms of ascent, which was something that the Israelites would recite from memory as they ascended the mount to the temple. Mm-hmm. Like it was, it mm-hmm. was you go through prayers on your way, <laughs> you yeah. know, to to the place where you meet God, and that's something that you know kind of gets you in the place. Mm-hmm. You notice how uh, how we uh, we nod a lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have yeah. you ever seen the, the, the Jewish? Uh, have you ever seen the, the Jewish pray in front of the Wailing Wall? Uh, yeah, I've seen a little bit of it when they can. Yeah, it's a lot of what nodding. What is it? Like they, there's something physical that sometimes releases stuff that you don't even man- realize. It's a physical manifest- manifestation uh, of your your spirit coming out, and we're like, yes, and they're like, I, I don't know what it is. And I, I don't know what it is. It it's, works. It's an alignment. Anyways, I. Well, guys, I <laughs> I gotta go. My wife has already texted me. My like, wife too. Yeah, this we we never podcast this early, so you there's nothing ever to do after the podcast. You go as long as you want, as long yeah. as you can deal with sleeping. But we still have things to do and, and yeah. life oh, to get wow. to. It's uh, the afternoon. This has been awesome, guys. I so appreciate it. Okay, to stay with you. Now just, I got one lovely, podcast lovely. I can listen to. <laughs> I don't even listen to my own. I'm Hi, like, Mike's <laughs> mom. Hi, Mike's mom. Uh, with that, I just, I'm just i going to do a little protection on you. If you are listening to this podcast and you're assuming all the episodes are like this, don't assume that. these. Uh, this is a very out-of-the-box, very different from like what I we said, normally this do. Is, this is the most wholesome we've been so far. Yes. <laughs> do not assume that our other ones are like this. Uh, all right, guys. <laughs> you can head out. I'll finish up here. All right. We love you. God bless, guys. All right. So... Thank you. Thank <laughs> Later, you. brother. <laughs> All right. So uh, that being said, uh, we really do love doing these podcasts, and we're having a lot of fun, and uh, we're probably going to have you again on sometime. It'll probably be another year or so, but <laughs> the thing is, this thing's very portable. We can go on AA batteries and just have a couple mics plugged into it and do it. Yeah. So it's very cool. Um yeah, we're just going to wrap up real quick. Uh, that has been Levy Bodewine. He is uh, my father, and he is a great man of God, according to me, and obviously Devin thinks the same thing. So uh, thanks for coming on. We really do appreciate it. It's been a privilege and on, on an honor, and what a great weekend to, to be here to celebrate uh, the, the baptism. So uh, yeah. we just thank you. <laughs> oh, thank you. All right, guys, God bless. Don't be a dick. That's how we end it.
All right, that music has been brought to us by Kirk the Riffer Wells of Liquid State Audio. He is a guitarist, a producer, and the mixing engineer. Thank you from the Blue Collar Philosophers.